You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hopson. Welcome back to another wonderful week here with the boys of Sticks in the Six. Uh, Peter, alongside Andrew here, we're going to be joined by Alex shortly. He's been a little delayed with our day jobs. Yes, we still have day jobs. We haven't hit it big yet with this uh, this wonderful <laughs> show, but we are getting there. We are getting there. Oh, yeah. Um, but before we kick off the hockey talk, there's a, there's a ton to talk about. Trades are happening. Leafs are still in the midst of possibly getting involved in another big trade uh, before the deadline on on the third, but uh, Peter, before we get into that, how are you doing this week, buddy? Doing great, man. Yeah, a uh, l- little bit of a quiet week. Not a whole lot going on. Um, I- I'm still I- because last week of the whole Ryan O'Reilly trade, I stayed up late making up a post and everything like that, doing like a quick fire episode, and I'm still reeling from that because that was that that actually took a lot for me. I don't know why, but I'm still feeling like the effects a week later where I'm just exhausted, but. Here I am just trying to stay awake, keep grinding away at it and just making sure everything gets done. How are you doing, buddy? Man, it's, uh, you know, you and I were talking a little bit before the show. I'm on a new uh, new eating plan. I'm a, you guys know I'm a big boy. I'm a big boy. Oh, I so uh, I, I like to cut a little bit a uh, little bit from the uh, the front side here and, and cut down <laughs> this dad bod that I got going on. But um, so it's, it's going well down three pounds in three days. I can't really complain. Um, aside from that, I mentioned to you that I want to, I want to share a new, new addition to the yes. cave here. As you can see, yes. I love my, love my sports memorabilia. We love sports here. We love sports. Uh, <laughs> so we did, uh, we did this little mini Raz for this. Uh, I'm on this, this, this site called Kaboom Sports and this guy, um, his name is Wes and a uh, really great guy, really great group that that's there. They do like these, these crazy Razes for like. Um, all kinds of jerseys. I've told you guys about the Marner jersey that I won, signed and inscribed the magician. Uh, I won a Bo Horvat jersey. I've won a, a you know Tristan Jari helmet. So, anyways, um, recently Wes's Wes's son was in the hospital, and you know uh, some of the group put together a little raz to to uh, kind of give back a little bit, give back some money to 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 Wes and Justin, and 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 hopefully, you know. Um, give them a night out where they can just enjoy some family time and, and forget about all the, all the crazy health issues that are going on. And um, anyways, members of the group donated uh, prizes and then you could buy into the Raz and what whatnot. So I, I bought a few spots um, just, you know, just trying to, trying to give back a little bit. And I won a uh, Jason Spezza signed stick. Oh, nice. Now I thought, so um, the, 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 the person who donated, uh, dropped it off at my parents' house, uh, this week cause she's out that way. Um, and anyways, I thought it was just a Jason Spezza signed stick. Well, it's a Jason Spezza game used signed stick. So I'm so going to say, that's just a random stick. It's one that he played with. It's, it's one that he played with yeah. in the last two years of his career. And, uh, Anyways, I'm I'm super pumped. Uh, I had my dad send me over some photos of it, and um, I'm I'm going to share it with you and Alex after this. I'll share, send it mm-hmm. to the group chat, and we can you guys can uh, ha- have an eye on it. But the tapes That's there, the signed on the blade, man, it's it's actually a sick sick piece. So I'm very excited to get my hands on that and and get it up here somewhere, and uh, maybe maybe I'll showcase it on the next episode or something. Maybe I'll showcase it on our next. Uh, our next TikTok that might go viral, but there you go. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a week, and and just a quick note on that TikTok. I mean, if you're not following us on TikTok, Sticks in the Six, you definitely definitely check it out. I did a little one a.m. Uh, one a.m. TikTok video, and look, I'm not I'm not a big TikTok user, but this thing's got over like 130 thousand views. My wife so kindly told me that uh, you don't actually count as viral until you hit about 500 thousand. So we're ways off, but um, the interactions on it it's, are hilarious. It's viral in our eyes. It's viral in our eyes, and it's actually a pretty funny little nine-second video. So definitely check us out <laughs> on TikTok as well. Um, but aside from that, Peter, as I mentioned, a lot to talk about. We're going to be joined here shortly by Alex. Episode 115 brought to you by the fine folks at Indie Ale House as well. So check them out. Um, and, of course, the Variety Sports Network, which we are a big part of as well. Um, but let's get into some hockey talk. Uh, 
kick it off with the Bruins. Uh, the Atlantic division might be the toughest division to play in um, this season, especially with the trades that are happening late in the season. As we go into the playoffs, we've got the Leafs who obviously made the O'Reilly Achari acquisitions last week. Now we have the Bruins who go out and get Dmitry Orlov, um, uh, Garnet Hathaway to add some grit. And then obviously uh, we, we mentioned a, a B-level prospect as well in um, Svetlakov. Svetlakov. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's joined the Bruins as well. But uh, big, big pieces that they added, obviously, were, were uh, Garnet Hathaway and um, and Dmitry Orlov to shore up that back end. What are your thoughts on the Bruins? And, and you know, obviously, they make themselves a little bit tougher of a postseason uh, opponent when it comes to the Atlantic Division. Well, everyone... I, I'm just amazed at how Boston, as strong as they are right now, were able to pull this move off. I mean, they get basically the same. It's basically the same structure as the Maple Leafs did with O'Reilly and Achari. Uh, they got instead of like a defenseman, they got a depth for they both got depth forwards, but a top six uh, centerman uh, as opposed or top two centerman as opposed to you know a top line top pairing defender. But that works in Boston's favor because we know how much they love that gritty in-your-face style. And this is a gr- – I, I, I hate to say this on a Maple Leaf podcast, but this is a great pickup from them to try and respond to what the Maple Leafs did. Um, everyone is saying, oh, how are the Maple Leafs going to respond to this deal? Well, they're still in the market for a defender, but this is really how Boston was going to respond to the O'Reilly trade. And lo and behold, they came out guns a-blazing trying to pull off a big move, and they did. And, you know, I, I, I said this when it happened. This is a typical Boston Bruins trade. I mean, both Orloff and Hathaway love to throw the body. They're physical. They're in your face. Orloff has that little bit more uh, stability with his puck moving abilities and transitional game, something that could benefit for them as well. We see how well Charlie McAvoy is, Hampus Lindholm as well. And you know what? Like I said, it's the same structure. They gave up picks um, because they could afford to. They got a prospect in return, but it's more of like a B, B, C level kind of prospect at that point. But it's more important right now that they're going to come in the fold and they're going to join them on a deep run because hey toronto set the tone actually i think you you see you saw a domino effect new york set the tone with vladimir tarasenko toronto brought in o'reilly boston got in on the action right now now you're trying to see what's tampa bay going to do because they don't really have a whole lot of draft capital to part ways with they already gave up their two first round picks in, in 2023 and 24 they have a second, but that may not be enough at that point. They could offer their 25th first rounder, but in terms of prospects, they're really not that deep. They have maybe, you know, I think you 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 could just throw in there Jack Thompson or Isaac Howard as your top prospects, but is that going to be enough in a trade to try and keep up with what Toronto and Boston are doing right now? But either way, big deal for the Bruins right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you pointed out that, hey, we are a Leaf podcast, but we will have constructive hockey conversation on here. We're not we're not sitting here as homers, you know, just criticizing, officiating. Yeah, no, absolutely. We can't be, um, but, but we won't. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I agree. I think this is the best pickup that the Bruins could have made. Um, there was a lot of talk about them going out and getting Gavrikov. Obviously, that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they picked up the the perfect piece in Orlov. I know Orlov's body's kind of broken down over the last couple of years with with the way that he plays. He's a very physical defenseman, uh, loves to block shots. Um, so he has had a few injuries uh, the last couple of years that have has kept him out from time to time. But for me, I mean, like you 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 made a move that bettered your team without really messing with the chemistry. There's no player that mm-hmm. came off the roster for these guys. Um, they Craig added Smith, to, though, but he was Craig having Smith. a struggle this season compared to previous ones. Yeah, he's he's kind of been on the back nine for the last couple of years. And mm-hmm. and so in that sense, you're not you're not ultimately losing anything. I mean obviously you saw the post from some of the players, you know, you know, thanking you know Smitty for for what he did, what he brought to the team. But I think I think they're gonna like what they get in Garnet Hathaway and um and Dmitry Orlov and Orlov's a great piece to a, a back end that, you know, there has been some question marks about Carlo over, over the last couple of years mm-hmm. with, with his injuries as well. Um, and we talk all the time about, you know, you go into the playoffs, you need, you need those extra defenders to come in and, and be ready to take on the load because blocking shots hitting, I mean, it's a different type of game when you're in the playoffs and, and to have that extra depth defenseman 
um, is going to be a huge piece. So if you can if you can move Orlov up and, and maybe reduce some of the minutes that Carlos sees, um, you know, I think it's going to be a great addition to this this Boston Bruins team. And you don't mess with the chemistry. And we talked about making moves when you're first in the in the league and and how can it can alter your chemistry. They have not altered any chemistry in my in my mind mm-hmm. um in terms of in terms of making making this this move and and uh again i think garnet hathaway is a, a super underrated piece um and, and to get him in the deal as well and you're paying Dimitri Olev 1.25 million so less than less than two percent of your salary is going to him with with the retention um we are going to bring alex in as well he's just joined us here so uh we'll bring alex in alex uh welcome buddy welcome um i believe your mic is i believe your mic is muted again (laughs) i'm not taking responsibility (laughs) (laughs) Uh, muted buddy we're just we're just talking the bruins trade here but uh before we we, before we get your insight on that what's uh how's your week been my friend it's been a solid week. I, I was able to get to the uh, the uh, much talked about Ryan O'Reilly hat trick game in Buffalo. I'm of course where I'm living right now. I'm only about a half hour away from Buffalo. Uh, granted, I, I I it's been a long time since I've been to the Key Bank Center. Did not have a good time getting back over the border. Uh, that was uh, I spent probably 45 minutes just in the parking lot trying to leave. So <laughs> it wasn't God. fun. But uh, what was fun was watching Ryan O'Reilly score a Hattie against his old team sitting next to a Sabres fan that I was with and being surrounded by other Leafs fans. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a solid week. I, uh, I, I had a lot of fun at the game. Um, I know we make jokes about how the Leafs, you know, they fill up the Sabres arena. It's like their second home. But uh, I really like the dynamic there between the Leafs fans and the Sabres fans. You know, uh, after O'Reilly scored his second goal, the uh, goalie's go chance started going. And then the Sabres fan piped up and they tried to drown it out with a let's go Buffalo chance. And so it was sort of like a battle the entire game uh, about who could have the louder chance. Just a great, great, a great environment to be in. Uh, I was glad I was able to be there for that. So, uh, yeah, other than that, uh, not much else to touch on. Did I not tell you guys last week, though, when we talked about whether O'Reilly was going to resign or not, that he will resign just to stick it to Buffalo for the next five years? Did <laughs> oh, I not say how that? He left? Did I not say that? And then there was a perfect image. I believe it was after a second goal of him celebrating along the boards and a Sabres fan just flipping him the bird. It was like the perfect <laughs> imagery of, of exactly what I was saying last week. Yeah. Um, he got but- his revenge and that's all that matters. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, Alex, um, your thoughts on this Bruins trade? I mean, we're just kind of getting into it here with the with Orlov and Hathaway coming over, making the Atlantic a tough a tough opposition to to play against right now. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I don't really see that trade and and get worried as as a Leafs fan all that much because Boston I think's run away with the division already. So if the Leafs have to face them, it won't be until the second round. And if the Leafs are in the second round, then I don't think it's gonna matter. <laughs> and it's a win. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's pathetic to say, but that's really where we're at right now. Um overall though for the Bruins, I think it was a good move. You know, I think Orlov's a pretty He's a pretty underrated defenseman. I think he's going to add a lot to that defensive core and just make them even harder to play against. And Garnet Hathaway, I mean, he's basically Tom Wilson light, right? So, you know, uh, the the Bruins trade for him, and he's just going to play that textbook Boston Bruins brand of hockey. I don't, so I don't envy who's going to have to play them in the first round because that's going to be a tough out. But uh, yeah, overall, I think it was a good deal for the Bruins. Uh, I I have to say it was pretty much an identical package to what the Leafs gave up for O'Reilly and Nachari. And I think if you gave me both of those trades and said, which one would you rather do? I think I'd still say the O'Reilly one. And that's not just me as a Leafs fan. I just objectively, I think... Um, Getting a forward like O'Reilly and then adding someone like Achari into the into the mix is is what this team really needed. And yeah, Orlov would have been great to have, but I think there's still an avenue for the Leafs to trade for a defenseman and upgrade on that on that front. So, uh, good deal for the Bruins. Uh, I'm I'm more interested to see what Tampa does because that's where I'm really going to worry. And if they, mm-hmm. you know, uh, here's hoping that here's hoping that with the amount of assets they gave up for Hagel last year and the assets they gave up for Goudreau and, and Coleman the year before, um, here's hoping that the, the bolts finally have run out of assets and they don't really have enough to add someone of note, but I know that they always seem to find a way. So uh, we'll just, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. 
Yeah, no, and I'm glad you brought up the first round because our, our first comment of the week uh, is from Josh Brownlee, longtime listener. Who do you guys think Boston is going to play in the first round of the playoffs? Uh, right now, if you look at the standings, it's looking like Buffalo. So very interesting, an Atlantic division matchup, a team that a lot of people didn't have. Kind of, they they kind of had on the bubble a little bit with the way Buffalo ended last season. Um I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here because I, I can't remember what my predictions were for the Hockey Raiders' big prediction piece at the beginning of the year, but I do believe I had Buffalo as the second wild card team Ooh. going in. So worth the, worth checking back on that. I'll, I'll look at that and get back to you next week. But um, if it is, in fact, Buffalo right now, Buffalo and Detroit are fighting for that second wild card spot. Um, do you think Do you think Buffalo stands a chance against this Boston team? Against Boston? I don't know. Um, I think it could be one of those things, sort of like when the Devils made the playoffs in 2019-20, or maybe it was the year before, 2018-19, and what, I'm pretty sure they got swept in the first round by by the Bolts. Actually, no, I think it was actually a 4-2 series win, so never mind, this entire point's irrelevant. But um, <laughs> I, I think it is going to be one of those things if the if the Sabres make it where uh, I think they're, they're inexperienced defense. They're inexperienced in general, and their their defensive core and their goaltending is probably going to catch up to them. Having said that, you know, I've I've been wanting a, a true battle of the QEW rivalry for as long as I can remember, and they just the Sabres just never got there. I thought we were going to get it with Matthews versus Eichel, and that, that didn't happen. So um, as much as, you know, the Sabres are a divisional opponent of the Leafs, and God knows the Atlantic doesn't need another freaking powerhouse in it, um, I do think that the Sabres are uh, I, that that they they are a pretty exciting young team, and uh, if they make the first round, it'll they'll, they'll put up a fight against Buff or uh, Boston, but I don't think they're going to have enough to beat them. Uh, having said that, I am going to go in a different direction and say that the final wild card spot will go to the New York Islanders. I think that I, I I don't know. I just I know they just lost Matt Barzal, but I don't think you make a trade like the one for Bo Horvat without without, you know, having playoff aspirations in mind. And, you know, even if Lou manages to trade every last draft pick and prospect to upgrade for a couple of bottom six forwards to, and if that's enough to get them to the playoffs, then I think he'll be satisfied with that. But I don't know. Um, I just, I I don't see the Islanders as a team that are going to fold for the rest of the year. They're annoying. They're hard to play against and they always seem to find a way in. So I'm going to, they're my pick for the, for the last wild card against Boston. Peter, what you got, buddy? Yeah, I mean, looking at first glance, yeah, you automatically think you know, the Islanders are Sabers, and you know the Sabers have the Sabers have been a tough out all season against anybody. I mean, Boston, their record is one zero and one against them, one regulation win, but also an overtime loss. So maybe the Sabers can be that you know chippy in your face team that kind of matches them. And like Alex said, maybe their goaltending catches up. But then again, we've seen how well Craig Anderson just manages to still be an elite level goaltender even like the worst nights possible um granted uh any, anytime they, he plays around he seems to put up that's not like numbers but uh i want to i don't necessarily want to say that they're a shoo-in but don't count out the detroit red wings just yet i think they're just as feisty they're just as in it to win it they're just as competitive as the other or the buffalo sabers as well to try and keep pace with everything else and they're only i believe they're tied with the sabers right now for that final wild card spot with 64 points obviously sabers have the upper hand with 30 wins but if detroit wins uh i believe they're playing today against tampa bay then something they're going to vault over them in the standings. And that's going to be very, very huge for that. So wouldn't count them out. And even so, I believe the uh, Red Wings, according to hockey reference, the Red Wings, uh, actually Boston only has one win against them. I thought there, I was looking at it wrong, but one win against the Red Wings. But at the same time, Red Wings have been a thorn in other team sides this season because of the fact that you're start, starting to see that resurgence of most siders game right now. Um, how he's not playing with Ben Sherrod and how he's getting more opportunities and how he's getting back to that rookie of the year form. Um, Dylan Larkin's on another level. Again, the offense is just a little bit worrisome because aside from Dylan Larkin right now, you really don't have anybody. But I think at this point right now, whoever Boston goes up against, it's it's kind of like the whole thing uh, last season. I think it was Daryl uh, Sutter that said it about Colorado. I envy. I don't envy anybody going up against Colorado. I don't envy 
anybody going up against Boston right now because that's just going to be a quick series right there. I'm not just saying this because I hate Boston, but playoff time, anything can happen. Anything can that happen. Columbus, Columbus, yeah. four four game sweep against Tampa. Mm-hmm. That's all. You know, uh, look back on that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be it'll be interesting to see who who slips into that second wild card spot because right now, I mean, obviously three teams tied at 64 points. The the Florida Panthers are there, although. They've, they've played 61 games already, so that kind of changes that for them. But worth noting, I mean, some pretty good teams on the outside right now looking in with Florida, Pittsburgh, Washington, all right there. But uh, it's going to come down to the grind, I think, in the in the Eastern Conference. It's going to be a fun playoff race to watch, and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see who Boston plays because I think we I think we all can agree that Boston's locked up that top spot. Um, but enough with the Bruins talk. Uh, you know, we are we are Maple Leaf podcast. A couple of quick notes. Uh, Ryan Johansson for the Nashville Predators is out for 12 weeks. Uh, obviously, that one hurts for them. Um, and Spencer Knight, as we mentioned in the pre-show, uh, Peter, he has joined the NHL and NHLPA assistance program. A lot of players, a lot of young players are, are, are jumping into that program. I mean, obviously, that's what it's there for. But uh, it's it's definitely a, an interesting interesting um, kind of shift that we're seeing with with the young group of uh of nhl players now so hopefully he gets through it hopefully you get whatever he's dealing with um he finds a way to get through that and we see spencer knight come back in a big way for the florida panthers the pat kane speculation um we got to talk about this because there is still a lot of speculation we're seeing money changing hands um salary retention all that kind of stuff it's the new age nhl um Patrick Kane, could he still be going to the New York Rangers? We've seen Lecision sit. We've seen Kraftsov sit. Alex, is Pat Kane on the verge of going Broadway? Yeah, I don't see any other outcome here. I mean, with with how much Kraftsov's been in the news for uh, trade requests and just falling out of favor with his coaching and management, I think that it's just a match made in heaven right there. And obviously, Pat Kane's going to force his, force his team's hand, if anything, and and it sounds like he wants to go to the New York Rangers. And if he, if he wants to go there and the Rangers have the pieces to make it work, then I, I, I don't see why he doesn't end up there. Um, I will say boys, <laughs> I, t- I talked about this with my buddy earlier, maybe a bit of a selfish take for me, but the, the Rangers kind of pissed me off. I'm not going to lie. You know, <laughs> you see it, you know, I, I'm not going to lie that it, it's kind of impressive the way that they've been able to rebound out of their so-called rebuild so quickly and be one of the contending teams in the East again. But I just can't I can't fathom the fact that they go and they 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 somehow manage to draft and I you know I'm use this lightly because they're both still super young players, but they managed to draft a bust second overall and then a bust first overall in back-to-back years. They've whiffed on Kravsov, they whiffed on Leas Anderson a couple years back. I think the only two prospects that they actually hit on in the first round, anyways, are Keandre Miller and Braden Schneider. And even those two, I mean, Miller's been in the league a few years now, but Schneider's pretty brand new still. So, you know, you see them whiffing on all these draft picks, and then you get Adam Fox, who's one of the best offensive defensemen in the league. He forces his way to the Rangers because he didn't want to sign with the Flames. He wanted to go to the Rangers. They wanted him, so he signed there. They get Tarasenko, and now it looks like they're going to get Patrick Kane at a cheap cost because Kane wants to go to the Rangers. And it's just, this team just gets everything handed to them. It's crazy. And, you know, again, maybe this is just a boomer take for me. And maybe I'm I'm sitting here just sounding salty because, um, because you know how hard it was for the Leafs to get free agents for the longest time. But I remember this is like the exact same Rangers team that we saw in the late 2000s, early 2010s, where, you know, they that they're drafting. They have not a draft pick to be found, but they managed to attract every big free agent, every big name via trade. And they ride one of the best goalies in the league. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. There's a secret part of me that's hoping that they just, they fall into that same curse that they were in back in, back in um, uh, the early, uh, the early 2010s where, you know, they have a great team, but they just, they, they don't ever have enough to get to the cup final. Maybe that's mm-hmm. just me being petty, but I don't know. The, the New York fans kind of annoy me the same way that, cause a lot of them are Yankees fans. And I think Yankees fans are some of those, some of the worst professional sports. So yeah, and I'm not going to lie. It's like to see Patrick Kane here. And again, I just to mention and to clarify this beforehand, I don't care if Patrick Kane doesn't end up on the Leafs. This has nothing to do with that. Um, it was an intriguing thought when Carlo Kaliakovo said that 
that the Leafs and the Rangers were the two teams he considered, but I never fully bought into it. So it has nothing to do with that. It's just, you know, it, these guys are going to have the most cracked, like stacked team that you've ever seen from a trade deadline. And half of it's going to be because Patrick Kane wants to go to the Rangers and he's, that's the only option they have to accommodate him for it. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, there's no question that Kane's going to turn them into one of the big contenders in the Eastern conference. And who knows, maybe this time around they'll have enough to, uh, they'll have enough to pull, put it together finally and win a Stanley cup. But just to, just to see them somehow end up with all the best names, all the top players, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's privilege. Don't don't forget too that Adam Fox requested a trade, and that's why how he ended up in. Well, that's in what New I'm York saying. Well. Yeah, I mean, he didn't yeah. want to. I I forgot, admittedly, that they traded. They ended up trading him to the Rangers. But either way, he was he he was owned by Calgary. Calgary had his rights, and he didn't yeah. want to sign with the Flames, so they traded him to the Rangers because that's where he wanted to go. It's like for literally what, nothing. What other team is? What other team goes through this? It's like I'm watching the Yankees of hockey. Like <laughs> honestly, though, it reminds me so much of like early 2000s Rangers where it's like Eric Lindros, Yager was there, Bobby Holik was there, mm-hmm. and they Adam Graves, and they still couldn't find a way to get it done. So maybe, You know I'm what? Kinda... Maybe this is just a trend that they go through this at the start of every decade because they're like this in yeah. the early 2000s. Yeah. The 2010 to like 2014-15 Rangers were one of the best teams in the league. They were crap for a couple of years, and now they're right back here. So maybe this is Brad just... Richards and Rick Nash. Yeah, re- yeah. those two. Yeah. That was, yeah. Chris Jury. Yeah. Ryan Callahan. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. This Ryan is that was our team. Yeah, Ryan McDonough. Yeah. Jeez, like they're so Dan Girardi. <laughs> Christ, we could sit here and go. We can go I know we, we sit here as Leaf fans and we complain that we haven't yeah. won since 1967 because <laughs> we're constantly reminded. And this team has literally gone out and bought every player they can possibly buy and hasn't won since 94. So I mean <laughs> the conversation is worth having, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I like, I'm kind of with you there, Alex. I, yeah, I don't know if that was the objective analysis you were looking for. If I just sat there and basically threw a little temper tantrum because of the, no, no, I love, I love it. And I love that you brought up that, you know, Kane coming to Toronto was intriguing after I saw him play in that first game against Toronto. I know, yeah. he, I know he yeah. ended up having a great second game against Toronto, but after that first game, I was like, you know what? I don't even want this guy. Like, from from what I'm what we're hearing, there there's a possible hip issue with with him, and and he might need hip surgery and yada yada yada. Like this is for me, that's not the piece that you need to get past the first round. You have the Patrick Canes already. Like this guy is not a defensive cohort. Like he's not a guy that's going to go out there and and and, and be a, a, an influence in his own end. Like you want somebody that's going to go out there and, and add something to your game. You have the Patrick Canes of the Maple Leafs right now. You don't need another Patrick Kane. Yeah. For me, I think mm-hmm. the O'Reilly Achari trade was perfect. You 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 got the two pieces you needed up front. Um, that fourth line has been unbelievable, and I've got a story coming out at the Hockey like so. Writers uh, later today about that. And then on top of that, you've got you know you're, you're you've got the potential to go out and add another piece because you have four million sitting there, and mm-hmm. and you're looking at the back end. Those are the things that you need to do. You don't need a Patrick Kane. So for me. The fact that he's going to possibly end up on the Rangers, go for it. I I still think that at, at the end of the day, the Rangers are going to have a tough time in the come playoff time because I think the pieces, they'll make. I think they're going to make it to the conference final. I I just don't I, think I, they're going to get past there. They're going to have to rely heavily on Shesterkin though, because for me, mm-hmm. they 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 moved some some solid pieces on their back end. They obviously moved um, uh, and and then on top of that. The, the four pieces that you have are incredible goal scorers, but I don't see the 200-foot game that you want from some of your top players. And for me, that's the difference. I, I, I don't think that they're a bad team. I think they're going to ride Shesterkin. However he goes is how the Rangers are going to go. And that's, mm-hmm. that, that's the same way it was last year. And he hit a bump in the road, and that's what happened. Boys, just to just it's, to it's really in interesting here. how inconsistent they have been this season because at times they do look like that Stanley Cup contender, but at times it's also just what's going on with this team. And even so, like you see that on Rangers Twitter sometimes too. How when like we, we we complain when the lows are lows, we get angry, but it just seems like it's just worse on there. Boys, yeah. to, not to butt in here because this is completely off topic, but. Uh, the Blue Jays are currently in their first spring training game against the Pittsburgh Pirates right now. Oh, and just figured I, I should figure I should let you know that you say Kikuchi through two innings has allowed one hit and has struck out five. What? 
That was not the direction I thought you were going to go. Especially after that tweet that I saw that he threw a ball oh, like five feet over yeah. the catcher's head. Kikuchi, bearded Kikuchi might be the might be the key, the key to getting him into Cy Young form this year, boys. I will say this: if he worked on his form like he did in the season and even some of the uh, training sessions that we saw, he's going to be a perfect five. Uh, oh, 100 percent. I yeah. think that's. Uh, I think there's uh, there's opportunity for him to really rebound yeah. this year because. Uh, yeah, and apparently I, I just turned on the game on my phone, so excuse me if I look like I'm <laughs> look like I'm not completely focused. But yeah, that he ended his game after two innings. Apparently, his breaking ball looked real good, so it's interesting. There we go. See That's where that good, goes, boys. That's I'm telling positive. you, sticks sticks in the sixth game out in the out new outfield. Sticks in the I bats got, or bats in the sticks six, in the rather. Bats, bats in the, the sticks at the home opener. Sticks in the bats. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Toronto. I guess isn't a part of that. No, we're just a hockey and baseball podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, before we throw it to Peter on his analysis of the Pat Kane here, quick shout out to our boy Zane, uh, hey! big big, Zane. Uh, big advertiser for us. So check out Zane, um, his, his his group blimp.com. Um, he he does amazing work. He got us the NDL house. Um, and, and we are super thankful wow. for him, and we continue to work with this guy. He's, he's wonderful. So live show, let's go. Absolutely, buddy. Yeah, Unfortunately, I'm glad, I'm we don't get to see you like we used to, but I'm glad here, that everybody – I'm glad that everybody got to see Zane's beautiful, his beautiful mug on the screen right there. Thanks. I know for, I, did, I did it just that for that. I did it yeah. just for that. <laughs> uh, but Peter, Pat Kane, anything you wanted to add about the Pat Kane conversation? Um, just want to point out and shout out to Emily Kaplan who said that Kane to New York is gaining traction and momentum and that Chicago is going to take possibly whatever they can for Kane. And it looks like at this point, it kind of seems like Chicago doesn't really have any leverage, kind of like the whole situation with maybe Tarasenko, where maybe you want to try and get a top prospect or two in return. And But based on what we saw with Tarasenko, how they gave up picks and more of like B, a B or C tier level prospect, I guess you could rule out Brandon Othman because he's just looking absolutely great. And I'm so glad that the Rangers took him when he did. Um, Will Cooley is looking pretty good. And there's also Adam Sikora, who's just, you know, a, a jar full of energy right now as their top three prospects. And I don't think if you're the Chicago Blackhawks, I don't think you're going to have any high hopes of getting any of those three. If you do great, but at the same time, if the leverage is very low and you know, you're still trying to work out a scenario where you want a third team to try and retain some salary as well. Um, yeah. I, I, I do think that they're going to get a package. I think they're going to get a first and they're going to get the picks like Tarasenko, but they're not going to get a top prospect in return. And I'm just going to say, this is going to be a very, uncomfortable couple of years while the Chicago uh, while Chicago goes through a rebuild because um, like I said, it, it just seems, it doesn't seem like teams are going to want to pay so much for that possible hip issue that could come back at any point right now. And obviously if it, if it doesn't happen, then Pat Kane is going to just, you know, bet on himself and head to free agency. And it's just going to hurt the Chicago because they didn't get anything from him. So I think, even if it's not the return that you wanted, just get something in return for him because you don't want him to walk. Yeah, I forget who was reporting this, but I I read somewhere that even if he doesn't get traded, he's going to leave and, and get uh, get hip surgery anyway. So he's yeah. basically done for the year. Um, but I mean, if he's traded to a contender, I guess he's playing out the end of the year. But mm-hmm. at that point, to me, like, you're, you you just have to go out and get something like you. I don't even like at this point. I don't know if you can go out there and say, "Yeah, we're waiting on a first round pick." You might be waiting on a guy like maybe you go out and get some some younger assets in like a Capo Caco and 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 something like that, yeah. and and just piece together some prospects to try and build what you have in Chicago. Which, as you mentioned, I mean, knowing that knowing what we know now has been an uncomfortable situation for a number of years. So. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think Chicago's in the worst position possible. They just signed Seth Jones to that big contract. Um, they just, I to me, I, I they just don't have anything going for them. And and Jonathan Taves obviously took himself out of, of the lineup with long COVID as well. So, um, yeah, it's just Chicago's a mess right now. To be a Blackhawks fan is tough. And, and um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be a tough situation. Uh, I, I don't think they get the return they want, but I, I, I think Pat Kane's on the move regardless. I think they just need to find a way to get something for him. Before we jump in the Leaf talk, boys, uh, per Charlie Romuliotis, 
Sam Lafferty isn't expected to dress for Chicago for trade-related reasons. Now, go. I'm Jake gonna be, McCabe, Sam McCabe. Lafferty. I'm Jake McCabe, McCabe but... Sam Lafferty going to Toronto. Get ready. <laughs> I'm going to be pissed off if, uh, if, if Tampa Bay ends up acquiring Lafferty. I'm really worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> Like I actually, I actually am. I'm not even joking because I feel like he's got potential to be this year's Nick Paul. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or Brandon Hagel. That too. Um, Either or. Since since we're talking about live games right now, the Edmonton Oilers are down four nothing to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, go Oilers, go. Um, anyways, boys, <laughs> quick word from our wonderful sponsors over at the NDL House before we get into our Leaf talk. Hockey is here, and with it, so are the Maple Leafs. Getting, getting ready for a night out or watching the game at home with the gang? What better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at the Indie Ale House in Toronto? With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto at Bay & Bloor, the Biroteca location. They have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the junction at Keel & Dundas with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indie Ale House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers. Perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find Instigator IPA and Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag Live Indie is the motto. Adventurous, fun-focused beers with a selection for everyone from the healthy dose of in-your-face hoppy beers for the beer geeks to mainstream Pilsners and easy drinking options Indie Ale House is the go-to for game day. Visit www.indialehouse to place your order today. Well, Leafs talk. Ryan O'Reilly, um, Noel Achari. Obviously, we discussed the acquisition last week. Ryan O'Reilly goes out and scores a hat-trick. Noel Achari has a goal, but has revitalized that fourth line for the Maple Leafs. Peter, what what are we seeing here? Did we did we acquire the the, the best pieces possible for this team, um, knowing what they needed going into the playoffs? Hundred percent, absolutely. Um, we talked about how much more they needed. Of we always talk about veteran leadership presence, but we wanted experience. We wanted players that wanted to come in and wanted to have that mentality that they're going to lay it out on the line every single night. And that's exactly what O'Reilly and Achari are doing. Um, you know, everyone was skeptical of moving Tavares to the wing. And, you know, I could understand that, but there was talks that they wanted to try JT on the wing coming into the season. So, honestly, I think uh, John looks great, uh, despite the fact that maybe we're still not used to it because we're seeing him as that uh, usual second-line uh, center and then O'Reilly coming in as at three C, but at the same time, O'Reilly's just fit in well. He, he like, he like him and Tavares and Marner are like a perfect combination. Cause you have Marner doing all the wheel work Tavares and O'Reilly getting in on the forecheck and, and being aggressive. But then you also have that net front presence. And I can't remember a time when a line attacked the middle as much this season as JT ROR and Marner have because they're attacking with force to the middle of the ice. And that's what's going to win you games. That's what's going to get you goals. And that's, that is a big step in the right direction that they want to play with that mentality, that they want to be tough against in the home plate area and in front of the net. You want to make life miserable for them. And even with the addition for Chari, um, you know, I, I looking at the numbers of the line at five on five, since the Chari came in, it actually is very impressive. I posted a little, snippet of what i'm writing about and i have achari on fourth line this is with kerfoot and zach aston reese Corsi four percentage 55.74 expected goals for 75.46 scoring chances for 62.86 high danger chances 88.89 percent i can't remember seeing results like that from a fourth line in these last four five six seven seasons but that is what you want from a fourth line to get in there, set it up and be, and usually the fourth line is just there to grind everything out, but they're getting in on the attack on the offensive as well. So to have that veteran presence in Achari, and I, we talked about this last week. I, we absolutely, I think even Alex alluded to it too. I absolutely hated Boston, especially with Achari on that third and fourth line. The fact that he's with the Maple Leafs right now is a huge win. And he could be that counteract to, 
the addition of Garnet Hathaway. And they're preparing for that because they are going to have those tough outs. So they're getting everything that they wanted and more from these two guys. And I think that this is the mentality. This is the, the way that they should approach every single game. And to be honest, in all three or four of the games that they played in so far, we've seen that quite a bit. So I'm really excited for what they've brought so far. Yeah, I mean, uh, physicality is, is another another asset that comes with Achari. And uh, I, know, I know right now through four games, he's not going to be up there on, on the list of the Leafs for, for hits this season. But um, Alex, your thoughts on, on what he brings to that fourth line with alongside Kerfoot and Zach Aston-Reese? I said this in a tweet a couple days ago, and I think it's the perfect way to sum up how I feel about Nolachari. When you look back to the 2018 and 2019 Bruins teams that eliminated the Leafs, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think of David Pasternak or Brad Marchand or Zdeno Chara or David Krejci or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think of guys like Nolachari and guys like Sean Corrali and guys that they had like that in their bottom six who, who were matched up against the Matthews and Tavares lines every single time, not Tavares in 2018, I guess, but were matched against the Leafs' top lines in every single game and just grinded them down and shut them down and made life hell to play against. And we've seen that from Achari so far. I mean, this guy's a little wrecking ball. He, he hits everything that moves. I think he's like ninth in the league for hits right now or something like that. He's currently ahead of Rasmus Sandin, who's their who was the least leading or uh, leader in hits rather. I think he's got like 60 extra hits than Sandine has at this point. So, I mean, this guy is a, he, he's, he's exactly the type of playoff player you want in your bottom six. And, you know, you guys, you guys alluded to it. He's made that fourth line more noticeable. He's made Zach Aston Reese more noticeable. He's made Alex Kerfoot more noticeable. Mm -hmm. And having said that, you know, not to turn this into a trade Alex Kerfoot thing, but you know, I'd be okay with Alex Kerfoot on that fourth line if he wasn't making $3.5 million because he's actually looked really good there. That 3.5 is too much. So I do hope that they they shed some salary and maybe look for a replacement in that category. But at the same time, Achari, I think, has been everything delivered so far. It's only been four games, I know, but I think that this is it's it's one of those cases where this guy's value is really going to pop out down the stretch and into the playoffs rather than right now. You were spot on. He's ninth in the league in in hits, Achari, with 181. Here are I'm the just, eight players, eight I'm players just, ahead of him. I'm just gonna Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say I'm gonna pretend that I actually predicted that, and I didn't just look up the stat three days ago <laughs> when I wrote an article. I, I I looked. I literally looked it up last night when I was writing one as well. So, um, but the eight players ahead of him: Garnet Hathaway, obviously going to Boston. Uh, Radko Gudis, which is a name that has been speculated with with in relation to the the Maple Leafs. Jack McBain in Arizona. I mean, lots of hits when you don't have the puck. Keegan Colsar in Vegas. Tanner Janot, uh, Nick Delorier, Matt Martin. And then, of course, number one by a long shot is Luke Shen. So another name that uh, that has come up with in accordance with the, uh, the Leafs as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, to have that kind of physicality come into your lineup, you know, and he's not a big guy. Like, this guy's under six feet tall, uh, what he's listed at. Um, under 200 pounds. So um, it's, it's, it's something that the Leafs have needed. And, and I think he's a guy that can still go out there and play 13, 14 minutes, not just a fourth line role. He can go out there and play, um, you know, those, those big minutes and those, those um, grimy minutes when, when it gets late in games and, and throw the body around. There was a play the uh, last night against Minnesota that uh, he was the, he was the forward back behind the net in the defensive zone stole the puck and, and, and created the breakout, which was exactly what you want to see from a fourth line center. So uh, yeah, I think great addition to have Ryan O'Reilly on that second line. I know we discussed whether he'd drop down to three to, to C at, at some point. Um, but I think, I think JT's embracing the, the role as the, as the winger on this line and, and to have two guys of that magnitude play, play with each other, add in Mitch Marner. And all of a sudden you're talking about a pop, probably, you know, a top 15 line in, in the league. If, if, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the Leafs first line has to be one of the top five. You, their second line now with the addition of O'Reilly, you're talking about two lines and maybe the top 15 in the league. So um, yeah, I think I've, they've set themselves up well um, at the same time. Um, I do think they need that, that defensive piece to fill in for Jake Muzzin, who, we will get to right now, but um, I just want know, to add one that. more thing about O'Reilly. Yeah. Um, 
in four games, he already has the top uh, face-off win percentage for the Maple Leafs at seventy-three point eight. Obviously, four games, but it's more than Tavares, more than Matthews, more than David Camp. This is what you want. You want in the playoffs when the faceoffs are on the line. You want to win it to gain possession. They matter, and O'Reilly's going to do just that. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and I mean four games, like you said, but at the same time, like. Um, you know, he's, he's known for his face-off uh, abilities, and that's why he's playing center on that second line right now. So mm-hmm. keep him where he is. Keep the lines rolling. And and what you've created in the fourth line, the third line is maybe your your worst line right now. And even then, it's there's a discussion to be had about that one. So Jake Muzzin, though, boys, um, getting into the playoffs, we just talked about how Boston uh, grabbed Orlov and added that, that necessary piece on the back end. The Leafs are going to miss Jake Muzzin of – you know, two years ago where he was healthy, playing physical, um, not so worried about the back injury. Now he's out for the season, out for the playoffs, will be reevaluated heading into training camp uh, in September. But Peter, what do we do with Jake Muzzin out for the year? It's, it is concerning because when he was on top of his game, he was one of the most menacing and feared defenders to go up against. He could lay out a big time hit he could get in on the offense he's exactly what toronto wanted and that's why kyle dubas went out and got him um obviously his health is the most is the most important thing right now it's a priority and obviously it sucks to see him not come back but it now gives the maple Leafs options to try and figure out what they can do ahead of the deadline right now because now you can try and find that defenseman to try and bring in and fill out that depth and even not just like the production and play of Muzzin, but also be a leader as well. And also Muzzin, I'm I'm super ecstatic to see Muzzin at least on the sidelines at practice, still being involved with the team. It's absolutely huge because we know how much Mitch has talked about him and that the whole team revolves or like speaks highly of him because he is a very important leader and player that can bring all those intangibles into effect. Um, but yeah, it, it, it does give them an opportunity to shop. And even if he is... Worst case scenario, next season, he's still unable to play and they put him on LTIR again. Um, for that last season, he would be a UFA for the fo- for the following season, 24-25. So if they shut him down for one more season and they bring in a defender with term, a.k.a. A, Jake, uh, uh, a Jacob Chikrin, um, obviously getting way too ahead of myself, but if you bring in a defender with term or someone that you could sign long-term beyond this season – why not take a run at them and bring him in? Um, there are like a lot of defensemen that meet the criteria of what a Jake Muzzin should be like. And I don't know if they're going to trade to trade for him, but I really liked him. And I wrote about him at the beginning of the season. That's Carson Susie on Seattle. The number one thing I don't think they go after him is look at Seattle right now. They're, they're in the fight for a playoff spot. And I think they're going to try and maintain that right now with their roster. But if they don't trade him and he becomes a target in free agency, I think the Leafs should still target him no matter what. Try to bring him in. They had that tie with Seattle because of Marchie Giordano the previous season. And he checks off a lot of boxes. Can play the left or right side. Um, physical, in your face. Can produce every now and then. 10 points in 57 games, obviously. Not going to find the score sheet often, but if you're going to want to find that middle type of defender, that four to six range, he's your guy. But I think you want someone more substantial to try and get in on the offense as well. So um, a lot of options, really. But I, 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 it's just because even if we think of a player right now, it's going to be completely off board with what Kyle Dubas is going to bring in. Um, it. it in, in short, it sucks, but it gives the Maple Leafs options right now to try and target that defense that they've been so desperately trying to go after and fill out that second unit. Yeah, Alex, uh, physical, stay at home, uh, you know, poised with the puck in his own zone, somebody that can move the play up quickly. Is this kind of what we're, we're looking at when we're talking about the Leafs and addressing that back end with Muzzin now out of the lineup? Definitely. I mean, if you look at the way that they played in the playoffs last year, Muzzin was far and away their best defenseman. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're going against roughly the same Tampa Bay team, maybe without the exception of Palat and McDonough. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just one of those things where it's, it's something that doesn't really seem like much of an issue now because 
obviously the Leafs are top 10 in some in most defensive categories in the league. But down the stretch towards the playoffs, as much as I agreed that upgrading on forward was a bigger priority, you're talking about going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning and you're not going to have your best defenseman from last year doing it. So I do think they need to make an upgrade there. The problem is I don't see how they make that upgrade unless they move Sandine and a bigger trade for someone, like you said, Peter, like a Jacob Chikrin, or if they move Justin Hall, like Hall's literally the only other option. And I just, I can't see a scenario where the Leafs trade Justin Hall. If they didn't do it last year or the year before, why would they do it right now? And the problem that I have with that is that Justin Hall, I think, gets a little too much flack. I think that if he was played in a bottom pairing role and used as such heavily, um, heavy minutes on the power or on the penalty kill, rather, maybe, I don't know, 15, 14, 15 minutes a night, I'd be okay with that. But I cannot trust Sheldon Keefe to not use Justin Hall as a top four defenseman. And I just, you know, I don't, even if the Leafs do add a defenseman, but they keep Hall, Hall is still going to be going out there in the top four playing 24, 25 minutes a night against Tampa Bay. And you can't have that. And while I'm on it, you can't really have Mark Giordano putting in that, those kind of minutes either, because Giordano's, I mean, for as great as he's been this year, the guy's 39 years old and you don't want to be relying on a 39 year old defenseman to carry, carry you through the playoffs. And the Leafs shouldn't be having aspirations for, for playing seven games. They should be having aspirations for playing upwards of 16. And if that's the case, then, and you know, it's a big if because the Leafs need to win around for that to happen, but they can't be relying on guys like Giordano and Hall to play in the top four. And so if they do go after somebody, I hope they go after someone who can log those minutes and be, who can be trusted logging those minutes. And even if they just go after somebody, like you said, Peter, like a Carson Soucy or say a Scott Mayfield, for example, or for example, I know that Elliot Friedman mentioned Mayfield as a target a couple days ago. I just think that they, that they, they need to be trading for somebody who can take some of that responsibility off of those guys who would otherwise be playing in the top four. And, if, if Hall stays, I even if the Leafs trade for someone like Mayfield and keep Justin Hall, I can still see Keith trotting him out there mm-hmm. for his 26th and 27th minutes of the night in a, in, a, in a game that goes to double overtime against Tampa. You just can't have that. So uh, we'll see who's available. We'll see what the options are. But oh, I just think that they need to they need to pursue someone who can fill Muzzin's void. Yeah, I think right now you, you, like you kind of nailed it right on the head. Like you have to, if you're going to use Hall now, you have to find a way to to get something for him because he's he's done after this year and and you like right now you can use him as an asset he's not a top four defenseman i wrote about it in my jake gardner or or justin hall is getting the jake gardner treatment piece where i said you know like he he's a guy that should be a bottom pairing guy and he he's getting those those big minutes against tough opposition it's not it's not gonna fare well for him and his his mistakes are magnified and that's why that's why he gets crucified for for the play that he has because you know it's it, you're putting him in a, in a position that he's not he's not you know the right player for um that said with the names that are out there i mean obviously you guys mentioned mayfield you mentioned uh Susie, um who else who else has been mentioned we've we've, we've talked Chikrin, about Shen. Shen. Chikrin. Um, I know I, I mentioned Joel Edmondson in, in a recent piece as well as, as a possibility. Um, there are pieces out there that they can go get. And I mentioned it with, with Buff or sorry, Boston going out and getting Orlov. When you get into the playoffs, you need extra D. So they do have Jordy Ben, who hopefully will be back at some, like, you know, get into, get into a few games and, 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 and Victor Mete, obviously, he's on LTIR as well. So there's another name that could maybe potentially come in at some point in the playoffs as well. But you want to have somebody that's ready to be a force and and play like a steady role. So when I look at that, I I I still am on the Jake McCabe train because I I just feel like he's the best option right now for the Maple Leafs to go out and get, and he's got term, and he's a guy that can play some big minutes in a three four role. Um, I just I he he almost is like the perfect example of what the Maple Leafs need for that first round. Um, can, I, you, can I can I can absolutely I drop some breaking can. news? It's not it's not absolutely. that big. Just it's not a fucking Timo Meyer trade or something like that. <laughs> Kasperi Kapanen has been claimed by the St. Louis Blues. Just yeah, a little, a little weird. 
Interesting. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're in as good a position as any team to see if he can become a $3.2 million player again. But yeah, that's well, I mean, after, after Baruby comes out and says, basically your, your best players aren't out there to win the games for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and Robbie Thomas came back and said, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> I think there's a little bit of turmoil in St. Louis, but um, maybe, maybe Casper can come in in there and, and add something to that team. But yeah, that's an interesting pickup. Interesting pickup. Former 20 goal scorer. So mm-hmm. um, former, former uh, recipients of a, of a, of um, an extension. If you're talking Anthony Stewart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know guys. I think, I think right now for the back end, I think the Leafs need to make a, make a move. And I think it needs to be somebody like you, you both mentioned that can be in the lineup and, and, and take off some big minutes from, from guys that maybe shouldn't be in that, uh, those top four spots. So we'll see, we'll stand by, as you mentioned, Lafferty out of the lineup because of trade related reasons. Maybe that Jake McCabe trade is coming to fruition, but, uh, we won't get uh, Leafs Nation too excited because, well, you know, we always we always hope for the best and get let down. So, <laughs> um, anyways, last note before we we close out here, um, the Leafs responding to Boston, and we talked about this a little bit with the Boston trade. They went out, they got some pieces, they got some grit, they made themselves a little bit better without ruining the chemistry that they have to make them the top team in the in the NHL this year. Um, are the Leafs going to be looking at that, Alex, and saying, yes, we need to go out and make a trade. We're going to try and one-up them, essentially. Or are they looking at, hey, this is what our needs are within the room. This is what we got to go do. Forget what Boston did. So, Forbes, before I answer this question, I just want you to, like, take what you just asked me and then ask yourself if you can hear Kyle Dubas saying the, fir- the first thing instead of the second thing. <laughs> I, to be honest, I don't know what goes on in Kyle Dubas's head. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, you just, know, man, Kyle leaves us all in the dark, we, man. The we, have our, the we have our own needs thing is like a textbook Kyle Dubas quote. So yeah, my brain says, no, they're not going to do that. But yeah, like you said, it's it, it clearly the Ryan O'Reilly trade showed that no insider, no media member, no reporter, nobody knows anything about what Dubas does behind closed doors. So maybe that is what he's thinking. But I don't think the Leafs should be thinking that way. Like I said early on when we were talking Boston, um, the Leafs aren't going to have to – like it's it would be a massive bonus if they could somehow catch the Bruins. But it's, it's just this team – is not going to have to worry about the Bruins until the second round, at least, like I said. So I think if it would be more of a big deal if Tampa Bay made a big trade like that, then I'd be like, yeah, maybe you got you to one-up them again. But for Boston, I mean, they're at, they're addressing their own needs. I don't think the Leafs are going to look at that and be like, yeah, we need, to, we need to match that right now. I think it's just a matter of the second thing you said, the Leafs have their own needs. Duba said in his press conference after that trade, um, we're looking to, if there's a way we can improve the team, we'll look to do that. I think they'll see ways to improve the team uh, over the next week and a bit. And I think once those needs arise, then they'll they'll, they'll address them. I don't think they're going to do it just because Boston made a big move. Peter, what are your thoughts? Can you can you jump into Dubas's head and give, give yeah. us an idea of what's going on? I wish. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, it's... <clears throat> Obviously, you want to do a move within reason and within your own capacity that improves the team. I agree with Alex 100%. But with that kind of, kind of comes the mentality where, you know, if you do make that move to improve the team, you're kind of sending that message to teams like Boston and Tampa Bay that, hey, we're just as in it to win it as you guys are, and we're not going down without a fight. So to me, obviously, yeah, the main approach should be we want to improve this team, but improving that team sends that message to your opponent saying that, Hey, we're not going to be pushed around anymore. So that's kind of where my thought process is right now um, with that. But again, I we'll see what happens because they are looking very hard to try and find that defenseman right now, especially with Muzzin gone. So that's going to be impro- uh, very important right now. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred um... <laughs> percent. Cody's Cody's garnering a lot of hellos in the in the comments section there. Yeah, right? just just jumped off of just hey four, Cody. Four he got a, he, he got a hello from Sticks in the Six and Sticks in the Six on Maple Leafs podcast. Oh jeez, um, but yeah, Cody's getting all the love today. <laughs> he is. He's Cody's getting a lot of love. We love you, Cody. Cody. <laughs> uh, anyways, gentlemen, um, Mark Giordano. 
set the or sorry tied the all-time NHL record for block shots. Obviously, it's a stat that's only been uh, recorded for what the last last couple decades here, last few decades. Um, but uh, big, that's a big thing. I mean, we mm-hmm. we talk about playoff hockey and what what that's going to mean to to this team and, and having guys that are going out there and willing to throw sacrifice the body and block shots. And uh, as we saw on Twitter, um, yes, the Maple Leafs are going to take credit for this record. Forget the Calgary Flames because Calgary, yeah. <laughs> Calgary fans, for whatever reason, got in their own heads about uh, the Leafs taking credit for this this record. Um, he did it as a Maple Leaf. Simple as that. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm kind of sick of that app. I I'm getting Jer- really sick Jer- of that app. I think Giordano should be inducted into the Hall of Fame with a Leafs hat on. As a Leaf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> same, way, same, way Jay- same way Jason Spezza should go in with a Leafs hat on instead of a Sens hat. Sorry. Oh, hey. uh, facts did don't you- care about your feelings. Alex, did you hear the new piece for the for the, the studio here? The he- Sorry? The, the, new, the new piece nah. I got for the studio here. Did I he hear should wrap the that up piece? again so he could hear it. Oh. Okay. All right. No, yeah, so yeah, I was part of a little Raz the other uh, few few days ago. Anyways, I won a Jason Spezza signed stick. Ooh. So hold on, it gets better. So it was dropped off at my parents today because mm-hmm. uh, they're they're out that way, and uh, it's not only a Jason Spezza signed stick; it's a Jason Spezza game used signed stick. Yeah, that was my reaction too. F- Fifty bucks, no word of a lie. Fifty? What? Yeah. How yeah. the fuck did you find that for fifty bucks? I wanted, I wanted in, in this res. <laughs> Dude, I paid fifty bucks for my meal at the Sabers game the other day. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll set the, the pierogi poutine was very good, but <laughs> oh, I thought it was top. top it was, right it was top notch. Uh, I also got a pretzel, but that wasn't the pretzel. Kind of sucked. There was way too much salt on it. Oh, uh, but I'll, either I, way, I told... none of those things stack up to a Jason Spezza game you yeah. stick. I told I told Peter that uh, I'm gonna send it over. I'll send a photo over to you guys. Yeah. I got a nice. Um, and Forbes, my- it sounds like your mom has claimed the uh, special. She did. Stick. She uh, did. I just saw that. Good luck getting that back, man. Hey, thanks, <laughs> mo- thanks, mom, for tuning in today. <laughs> uh, but anyways, boys, anything you wanted to add before we close it out here? No, uh, nothing at my end. Alex. No, yeah, I just, uh, I just said no, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's up to you to figure out if I have something to share or not. No, I'm just no I, hey, I can't, I can't get in Kyle Dubas's head. I can't get in your head. So <laughs> I don't think I'm, it's I'm, that I'm, hard to get into my head. I think you can read my emotions pretty easily. But uh, uh, um, I just wrote an article. I, maybe we can talk about this next week about why even when Matt Murray returns, which sounds like it's going to be soon, I think Ilya Samsonov has locked down the starters job for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, that's that's assuming he doesn't suffer a Jack Campbell, Peter Morazic type tailspin next uh, over the past couple months. But, um, you know, the stats say that Samsonov has been consistently good this year outside of a four game stretch in December or January. Um, and I'm, I'll actually just plug this real quick. Cause I, I tweeted about it today as well. Just, just cause I, I missed the start of it when maybe we could have commented on this, but since January 1st, Samsonov's only had a save percentage below 900 in five of 16 games played compared to last year where you remember Campbell's rough month of January and February uh, in nine of his 15 games started, he had a save percentage below 900 there. And so I think that Samsonov is showing that he's capable of being the starting goalie and he's showing that he's capable of taking on more of a workload. And if you read the, uh, if you read the article that I did, the stats actually show that that Samsonov has done better when it's been one of Shalgren or Wall backing him up rather than Matt Murray because when Matt Murray's been healthy, they've used the two in a bit of like a 1A, 1B. One guy starts today, one guy starts tomorrow. It doesn't really work out for, for Ilya Samsonov as much. So I think that when Murray's healthy, he is going to... Um, he's going to have to sit on the bench a little bit. And maybe I think at bare minimum, it should be a two to one start ratio for Samson, and Murray. So if you want to hear more of my thoughts on that, go check out my article. Cause it's, it's out now. Yeah, definitely check that out over at the hockey writers. Uh, some great work from all three of us uh, over the last little while leaf, a lot of leaf content. So, so definitely uh, head over to the hockey writers, check us out. I am going to, before we close out here, I'm going to apologize to Columbus fans because after two periods, it's now four, four, um, seven goals scored in that second period, four straight by wow. the Edmonton Oilers to tie up the game. So I think I, uh, I think I just bent over Columbus and, and wow. uh, three yeah. out of the four goals are from Dreisaitl McDavid. Who would have guessed? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Um, 
With that said, uh, said gentlemen, uh, no game tonight for the Leafs. Saturday night seems a little odd, but uh, you know we'll be back in action, and uh, we will be back in action next week. As always, just want to thank everyone for joining us. Shout out to the the NDL House for sponsoring our wonderful show, um, and shout out to Variety Sports Network for having us as part of the network. As always, you can follow all of us on Twitter at. Um, Andrew G. Forbes for myself. Follow A Hops and Media for Alex, and follow P. Barracchini at, or sorry, Peter at P. Barracchini. Follow, follow P. Barracchini at P. Barracchini. <laughs> Peter's just birthday. follow that. Just follow, follow that. P. Barracchini. <laughs> Peter's Peter's birth name is actually P. It's just P. Don't even forget <laughs> Peter. You can also check us out on Twitter at Sticks in the Six at S T I X I N T H E Six I X P O D. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on TikTok um, because there's some. I'm making some great shirts uh, that just read "Who the fuck is Nick Robinson?" So we'll we'll get that going as well. Um, and then, as always, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube um, and tune in every week as we continue continue to grow this show. As always, thank you very much for tuning in this week, and we'll see you next week for episode 116.